0: Hey, you've tuned into Geeky Late Radio. Good luck! The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors.
1: I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my web page. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch. For the geeks and all the geeks
0: to come. And here we are on the wall... Stopping yet more geek stories for you to listen to, uh,
1: this is The Geek's Watch. John, how's your week going on The Geek's Watch? Well, we had our first snowfall, so winter has come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I live in southern Arizona. I don't know what snow is. <laughs> well, I do now, and apparently I was not prepared for it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Ned Stark's been telling you to prepare for all this time, and you did nothing. You know, I just figured it'd be another seven years before it actually started snowing, but <laughs> you know, I guess it's, it doesn't work that way.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, yep, winter has come for Jon. Uh, however, I am a naive summer child. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about some news. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is we finally, ha- officially have a director for Deadpool 2 and it is David Lech, I want to say is how you say his last name?
1: I want to say so too, so I'm going to go with it.
0: Okay. He uh, most notably recently did John Wick, uh, the John Wick movie. I'm assuming he's also directing John Wick 2. He'll uh, be going on, on to Deadpool 2 and the funny thing is, I think that uh, Fox had originally tapped him to direct the uh, X-Force movie. So, I think what they should do is that let him direct the second movie. It'll probably do pretty well. And then the third movie, just incorporate X-Force in there and uh, make it... Uh, and Deadpool be- forms the X-Force, like basically. And then he gets the third movie. However... A uh, recent story comes came out that they're already looking for a director for Deadpool 3, which seems weird seeing as how we haven't even started anything on Deadpool 2 yet. But uh, what they're looking at is maybe Robert Sanders, who did Snow White and the Huntsman and Ghost in the Shell, or Drew Goddard, who wrote The Martian and executive executive producing The Defenders, Uh, amongst other things i know he directed cabin in the woods which is one of my favorite movies Uh, and then also magnus martins who directed uh some episodes of agents of shield and luke cage Uh, these are on the to meet list for fox so they are definitely uh diving into looking for other directors what do you think about all that
1: I think it's just uh, money talks in this field, you know, they, everybody hated the idea of Deadpool and they fought it tooth and nail until their hand was forced and it shows (laughs) that it's a proven property and now they're, you know, pulling out all the stops to make more money from it.
0: Yeah, no kidding, Uh, I mean, when you had a good director, a great writing team and then a actor who really really cared about uh the character Uh, they made almost 800 million dollars which is unprecedented for an r-rated movie and almost made as much as uh batman v superman so uh there you go i think they're definitely finding out that the fox is finding out that this is their x-men property they want to keep with
1: yeah and since it won't be affected by the reboot because of just the peculiar way deadpool works yeah they 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 figure well this will be the the cash cow for now until they reorganize it
0: yeah and then you know basically i bet when they do do they do do the reboot for the x-men universe uh they include ryan reynolds deadpool so he'll be the new hugh jackman wolverine for all those movies like he'll show up and just say one line and walk off and Hopefully, he'll have a line about just saying the one line and walking off.
1: Yeah, I want him to say something like, Wolverine, why, why are you getting younger?
0: <laughs> or, like, as he's walking away, he'll be like, uh, Oh, okay, there's my line. Give me my paycheck. And kind of just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: all right, so what? what's uh, your first, first story? Amelia uh, Clark. our... Mother of dragons from our original programming here <laughs> uh, has been tapped to play a yet unidentified character in the han solo's spin-off movie
0: are you thinking love interest
1: uh I'm thinking maybe rival uh, I think love interest at this point might be a little too too uh obvious so probably someone that you, you know is like a female han solo you know she's she's aware she's good looking but she's kind of a bastard and in it for herself
0: interesting
1: at least I'm- that's what i'm hoping you know that they go with you know because the love interest and nothing more would be pretty lame that's not really han solo's type
0: true right i know i i yeah i get you so yeah a rival smuggler i guess would be the right way to put it i i, I could dig that i mean we already know that uh Lando is gonna be in the movie, so wouldn't he kinda of be a rival also are we gonna see the the poker game that he won the, the Millennium Falcon in
1: it's uh well, they were friends, and yeah the the whatever game they were playing is what kind of caused a rift between them uh you know Lando always accused Han of cheating, and Han probably did <laughs> but uh no, I'm guessing she's gonna be something more than just a, I mean and I'll probably be wrong because that's how it always is with me but <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm hoping she's going to be something more than just a love interest I hope she has like an actual point and maybe she's uh, you know the one that teaches him the ropes of how to smuggle or something
0: Ooh, I can see that so uh, yeah, yeah uh, I would be interested I'm interested in seeing what she'll end up playing so that uh, that sounds great to me same here um mortal Kombat, uh the movie we're getting a reboot and new line has according to variety has picked a new a director to to helm the project when they do their reboot it's a director by the name of simon McQuad, i believe is how you say his name m-c-q-u-o-i-d and uh he's best known for directing commercials so i don't know exactly which commercials uh he's done uh, oh look it says uh high high profile campaigns for playstation halo range rover beast by da- by oh, beats by Dre, not beast uh and other top brands so i mean he's obviously done some big campaigns and he's an australian filmmaker so uh i don't know i don't know i think didn't wasn't the original uh, Mortal Kombat also filmed in Australia, so I wonder if they'll be going back to Australia to to film.
1: I thought it was like Cambodia or something like that. Was but it? I could be wrong. It probably went to a couple places. Uh, at least they went to the where that where they had those funky Asian pyramids for that <laughs> couple of scenes. That's true, you're right. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Uh so yeah, I I mean are you excited about seeing a, another Mortal Kombat movie?
1: No, I think that whole phase phase of me or interest kind of died out in the 90s. Um, I haven't really kept up with Mortal Kombat. I have no idea what they're up to now, except that they're... From what I've seen on YouTube, the games are now like a parody of themselves with how hyper-violent they are.
0: (laughs) You know, that's what I was going to say, was that I think it might actually be 20 years too late, but... They're still making Mortal Kombat games and you're right. They are super hyper-violent so if they stick with the newer hyper-violent uh, uh, style of the games will it not be as grounded in reality as the first one or the the original movie was? Not that it's, I mean it's grounded in reality it's, it's all magic and kung fu and and stuff like that not that kung fu is not reality i don't know anyways <laughs> i just i mean obviously when you're fighting demons and stuff like that it's not going to be too grand reality but there was elements that seemed real so what do you think
1: well i think originally the hyper violence was supposed to give you a sense of the stakes involved you know like it it wasn't just mortal combat because you could die it was the fact that the mortal realm was in danger and all that so i mean yeah there was some heightened elements to it but now from what i've seen you have like these ridiculous death and damage animations where (laughs) you can actually see like an x-ray slow motion shot of somebody getting hit in the nuts that's true (laughs) and um I, I mean, I don't really know if that even really matters anymore. Like, what is the stakes? Is the story going to be? I mean, the story's been done. The story was basically enter the dragon with like a little bit of magic. So,
0: yeah, 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 you're right. More of that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I just,
0: I mean, I know we're in the age of '90s and late '80s nostalgia right now, where anything that was made then can be made now and do successfully, but I think late 90s, it might be a little too
1: soon. <laughs> yeah, we haven't quite caught up yet, so it's trying to be ahead of its time, I think.
0: And maybe. Maybe if you gave it another
1: 10 years, people would be like, yeah, Mortal Kombat, I remember loving that. <laughs> well, to tell you this, the other day I was watching Just Friends, you know, the Ryan Reynolds and uh, AP Smart vehicle. Right, and there's that one scene where they're reminiscing about high school, and they're driving, and they had found a mixtape that they had from their <laughs> high school days, and it was the Mortal Kombat theme I remember from the movie. this,
0: I remember this.
1: That made me laugh, because it's ridiculous, you know, <laughs> how stupid the whole thing was, and it's, it's a joke, you know, like, they... They tried to do a reboot a few years ago with Michael J. White, and it was kind of noir. Yeah, and it was interesting.
0: It was uh it was on YouTube. It was through Machinima, wasn't it?
1: Yes, yeah. that was interesting because it was kind of well, it was definitely reality, you know, grounded, and it was interesting because there was a mystery at the heart of it. You kind of wanted to know what was going to come up next. I think the movie's just gonna blow its wad too soon. It's gonna be all style over substance and yeah, it's it's gonna continue the bad video game adaptation curse. I think that's, it,
0: Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say that's just my theory though.
0: You know, and I I, I think I agree with you for the most part. I think if the most important part for them to do it right if they want it to be successful is to get the martial arts correct. Like, just the fight scenes and, uh, you know, the the tournament itself. Because those Machinima web series was all... It pretty much just gave you a lot of backstory to all the different characters. Like, where they were and why they do the things that they do and why they're participating in the tournament. Never really got to the tournament, I don't think. Uh, So, if the movie definitely has to be about the tournament if you don't do the the fighting right then what's the point
1: oh <laughs> uh, yeah that just reminded me of a quick tangent to all of this uh my first comic con was in like 95 i think uh-huh the way i ended up there was kind of by accident it was really a fun story for another day <laughs> but my first comic con experience um was going on a Saturday, not really understanding what was happening, just thinking, oh, cool, comic book stuff. And it was the day that they were introducing the panel for the actors uh, of Mortal Kombat. And they were there signing autographs, and I got to meet uh, Robin Shu and the guy that played Johnny Cage. Sonya Blade was supposed to be there, but I think she didn't make it or didn't want to be there. And I remember walking up to them and saying, "Hey, so um did you guys have fun making the movie or something like that?" Uh-huh. And they both just kind of smiled and they're like, "Yeah, it was a blast. You know, it was, you know, every day was like a big party." I was like, "Cool." And I went back down and sat down and was like, "That was awesome."
0: <laughs> you know, I I really felt bad like I always thought i thought robin shu was a really good actor in those in those two movies and like i felt like he should have had a bigger career and stuff
1: yeah it is kind of weird he didn't uh take off more and then i saw him in the legend of chen li and i'm like oh this must be why
0: (laughs) well i think that was more of a i haven't done anything in a while i need to do something and this is what people remember me as so i'll do street fighter now instead of just mortal Kombat.
1: just mortal Kombat. (laughs) Yeah, he had a real sweet early 90s mullet that, that <laughs> should have lived on in infamy. You know, what I, I imagine that it was
0: because when Mortal Kombat came out, it was like towards the end of the we're going to make stuntmen into action heroes because now we can just take stars and train them before the movie starts. Like basically Keanu Reeves, we they... You know, they took him, who's already a a star, or a movie star if you want, and trained him to do Kung Fu, even though it wasn't, you know, the fastest, it still became pretty great for the Matrix. So they just start Mm -hmm. training Star, like, that's why you get Matt Damon is is Jason Bourne, instead of probably uh, an action hero that would have been Jason Bourne, you know?
1: Yeah. Duh. I would venture to say and wasn't Mortal Kombat one of the few movie uh video game movies that wasn't critically panned and actually made some money back as well?
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, as a, and especially as opposed to uh the Street Fighter movie with Van Damme, you know, that <laughs> is pretty much universally hated by everybody. I actually enjoy it, but it's it's
1: pretty much hated by everybody. <laughs> well, it's one of those so bad it's good kind of movies. Yeah, now. exactly. Um, but uh, see, I guess that's the problem: is that they they hit it right, probably because it came out just when it needed to. Yes, but the sequel proved that it was lightning in a bottle because that was so just god off.
0: Well, I mean, they they had I don't know I don't know if the movie the first movie didn't do as well as they expected, and so they had to cut the budget down a lot for the second movie. But you could tell that the production value was a lot less. They didn't get. Almost they they get they almost got almost nobody back from the first movie other than Robin Shu, and uh, it, then they just started to incorporate so much more. Like there was just extra characters everywhere, the storyline didn't make any sense, and Shao <laughs> Kahn was just terrible looking.
1: Oh yeah, I mean especially considering how awesome he was at the end of the first movie, and then it was just some TV actor in the second one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that uh, guy
0: from, like, an episode of X-Files.
1: Yeah, I think it was that dude, the the alien bounty hunter guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's why you don't talk on the X-Files. <laughs> uh, uh, Alright, did you have a next story? Uh, yeah, the next one is they are going to reboot the Green Hornet. Um, as you may remember, Seth Rogen, and um, I forget the guy that played Kato's name was, um, a couple years ago, they did a action comedy version of The Green Hornet, which I enjoyed. I thought it was all right, uh, but it didn't do too well, and most critics kind of said it sucked, so they're remaking it now uh, to be more badass from... The descriptions I've been reading here—they um, want to take, give it a more serious take. Um, now, I mean, as we know, the Green Hornet himself had no superpowers. Um, it could be argued that he might have even not really been a uh, skilled in any particular way, other than having the power of money. <laughs> uh, so he had, you know, some high-tech stuff. Like I think his biggest weapon was a, like a, a sleep gun. Yes. But, uh, you know, his partner, his, his uh, manservant, Kato, originally played by Bruce Lee, that was definitely a specimen of humanity. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's the real, the real star is going to be that guy. So the, the question is going to be who could play a really, really kick-ass Kato? Uh, yeah and uh off the top of my head i can't really come up with anybody uh you know uh
0: in the at at the time like at the time i i did i also enjoyed the the seth rogan one i thought it was it was funny and, and kitschy and stuff like that um at the time when that one was being talked about and i think that was back when the first time i heard about it was when it was still kevin smith that was gonna be directing writing directing it i wanted oh, mark, yeah. i wanted mark DeCascos to play Cato. i thought he was he would have been great um but now he's much older and i don't think would really fit the role anymore who could they get to play the role now i don't know that's uh it's interesting. maybe the the guy who plays storm shadow in the gi joe movies oh um, yeah that that could
1: that be a good role for him but that's that's one option yeah yeah that's one option <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah just not that many come to mind yeah no no not really and I would say maybe the kid from Hero that wants to be Tim Drake. Oh, yeah. You know,
0: they, yeah, that that could be pretty good. I could see I that. A... I mean, if they don't cast him as Tim Drake.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't see that happening, to be honest. I don't <laughs> even think Tim Drake would be in the movie.
0: No? You don't think so? I don't
1: think so, now. Okay, fair enough. Um, I did... Uh, only reason I'm saying that is because they're gonna have a Robin story for the Batman Lego movie, and I don't think they're gonna want to have like even close to a retread of that in the uh, the live action one.
0: Oh, okay. I I I, can, I can see that. Would would they use him as the voice of of the Robin because he's also a voice actor? He did Hero and Big Hero. Hero Six.
1: You no, know I think Michael Cera is the voice of Robin. That is terrible. <laughs> is it yeah, like... I have to double check that, but yeah, I think it's something ridiculous like that.
0: Is it like a, a Phil Lord, Chris Miller-like thing again, like they did the Lego movie? Yes, I believe it is. Uh-huh. Uh... That would make sense why it's Michael Sarah then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, you have to check on that again. Now, I remember when they, re- when they did the Seth Rogen movie and when Kevin Smith rebooted the comic book, which was around the same time, they made brit reed into a like world champion kickboxer even though he was st- after he and that was just when he was younger after that he kind of became more of the layabout playboy until his father died so uh that i know they they tried to give him some type of uh martial arts skill but uh yeah i think you would definitely have to have your new green hornet be more of a fighter than uh previously And not rely just on the car and
1: the the sleep gun. (laughs) Well, I did do a check on the cast of uh, Lego Batman. It is in fact Michael (laughs) Sarah. So,
0: well, I guess Michael Sarah and uh, uh, Will Arnett have had history together. So that's going to be the reason why they would work together.
1: Now, here's an interesting one. Zach Galifianakis is going to be playing the Joker.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I, get, I mean, I don't watch any of the Lego uh, stuff other than I, I did watch the Lego movie, regrettingly. Uh, so I, I know they try and make the Lego Batman stuff a little bit more humorous than uh, it's supposed to be.
1: Yeah, it's definitely silly, and I think you're... We need to rewatch Lego movie so it can melt your your cold heart cuz it's <laughs> it's one of the best movies out there.
0: Uh no. <laughs> I will not rewatch that sorry <laughs> just leave the silence there because uh everybody can then write in and tell me how much i'm stupid for not liking lego movie and that's fine i i
1: just it's not it wasn't a movie for me so hey it's your right you know to not like an awesome movie it's okay <laughs> to- totally your choice and the reason we know it's awesome is because it tells us that it's awesome and that everything else is also awesome <laughs> yeah no, I, you probably just need to watch the honest trailer and have it explained to you like this is why it's good ah okay well you know those guys over at screen junkies they know their
0: stuff they really <laughs> All right. Uh my last story I have is a little blurb that they that came out uh, in the rap about DC Films Justice League what we know so far. Apparently, in, there's a lot there's a lot in there, but the one thing that I really wanted to talk about was in a key scene it is said that we will see a Green Lantern Corps member show up. Now, the Green Lantern Corps movie isn't supposed to even be around until I think after uh Aquaman or something like that. It's not. It's not for a while, so we haven't heard anything about casting of any of the Earth uh, Green Lanterns yet. However, I'm assuming that it won't be one of the four that we know, or I guess five now, six now, uh, six Earth Earthbound Green Lanterns. Um, it will probably be like I think it will probably be Abin Sur. That way, he's introduced and then. Uh, when the Green Lantern core movie comes around, he can die so that we can get our Hal Jordan. You think they'll go
1: straight to Hal Jordan?
0: Uh, I think... Well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I would say that since we haven't seen any Green Lanterns yet in this DCU universe, or I guess that's repeating universe twice, but uh, you would have to stick with it being Avenger, so that we could get our first... Green Lantern from Earth, and then that would have to be Hal Jordan. I I, I couldn't see them skipping straight to John Stewart or Kyle Rayner. Maybe maybe Guy Gardner. I could see that, but uh, I'm pretty sure they'd go with Hal Jordan first. Now, if it's not Abin Sur, I could see it also being Sinestro or uh, whoever the Green Lantern member, Green Lantern Corps member for Krypton should have been. Like maybe they would. Uh, they will visit superman at some point because it says key moment in the movie
1: oh yeah wasn't tomar ray the green lantern for the krypton sector
0: yeah i believe so
1: and he he messed that one up didn't he <laughs> uh
0: i believe that as the story goes is that krypton denied the green lantern core to to uh interfere with the them and their science so if they didn't if you don't if your planet doesn't accept the green lantern core they don't they don't uh Patrol it, I guess, is the best word to put it.
1: Hmm. No, yeah, I think Krypton was an inside job.
0: <laughs> because jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams.
1: Doesn't melt crystal. Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right, fair enough. Well, uh, how about this? What if, um, we get a flashback of, um, like Wonder Woman. And let's say it's like the forties or the fifties or something, um so it's after World War two it's after her movie takes place um but obviously before present day events, and she has an encounter with Alan Scott,
0: ooh, but he's not part of the Greenlander Corps,
1: not part of the core, true, but what if that sets that whole part like part of the story in motion?
0: Hey, I would love it. I would love to see more Alan Scott uh. That would, I mean, I don't know if they would have to explain it. Because, I, I don't know, Did they, in, in the Man of Steel, did they say that there's never been any superheroes before? I mean, obviously, we have Wonder Woman in the early uh, 1900s, so...
1: Well, the one thing that... Um, well, the only thing I think Wonder Woman says that kind of makes me wonder how they'll go about it is... Batman says, "Hey, be careful! That creature's not from this world, or something like that." And she says, "Oh, I have f- fought things not from this world before.
0: That's true. You're right. So so it's
1: setting up some sort of either cosmic or supernatural thing. And um, I mean, you know, I would
0: assume that that meant because her world is usually supernatural, so it would have been like a Olympian god. Like she usually fights Ares and stuff. So I would assume that's what that meant. But you're right; it could easily be." An alien, which would then hit towards the Green Lantern Corps.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like, I, I think it would be—it it makes sense to some degree to have Hal Jordan come back. Um, but at the same time, I f- they might—I could see the reasoning or the logic behind the Warner Brothers people saying, "Well, we already had Hal Jordan; that one didn't work out too well. Uh, let's just skip to one of the other ones instead," you know.
0: Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you, and I, I I
1: could see that happening. So now, real quick, on a tangent of to all this, we're only supposed to have one Green Lantern per sector of the galaxy. Why do we have like six in like <laughs> this part of the galaxy?
0: Well, I know with the around the Green Lantern Rebirth area or uh, maybe even a little bit before that, they decided to change it to two Green Lanterns per sector. That way you have like a partner, like a cop has a partner when they patrol their beat. Um, the reason why we have others like Guy Gardner... Guy, so it was... They ended up making Hal Jordan and and uh, John Stewart like partners, I think. But then you had... Guy Gardner was supposed to get the ring... But just because Hal Jordan was closer, he got the ring. Uh, So that was kind of like a mistake that they ended up correcting. And then because Hal Jordan killed all the Green Lanterns, Kyle Rayner got a ring. Now, Jessica Cruz has a ring because that's the power ring from another dimension. And then uh, Simon Baz, I believe, has a ring because Kyle Kyle Rayner had to give up his because he became that all different colors you know, like all the different color rings. So they they all have the title of Green Lantern, but that's only because of situa- situations that occurred. So I would say the official one of Earth right now is Simon Baz. All right, then. <laughs> of Sector 2814. But don't quote me on it. I haven't
1: read any Green Lantern comic books in a, in, in, uh, in quite a while. <laughs> oh no, I'm 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 putting you in my uh, sightings. <laughs> Mitch said on this day. <laughs> yes. All right. Speaking of uh,
0: otherworldly, I I heard that you uh, finally got to go see Doctor Strange in the theaters.
1: Yes. Uh, amazing. Awesome. Loved it. I saw it in 3D, and the 3D was. Pretty damn good, actually. (laughs) Uh,
0: Now, I've only seen it twice. and uh, Only twice. But uh, I have yet to see it in 3D. And that's all I've been hearing is that everybody's saying that the 3D on it is pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. like I'm not a huge proponent of 3D. I thought Avatar was okay. But most other movies, especially if they're not shot in 3D, kind of the effect is really hit or miss. Very much so. And in this particular case, it... Uh, honestly which is pretty badass like (laughs) um, if you're the kind of person that likes to go watch movies uh, while under the influence of chemicals (laughs) this could only help that because it just looks amazing
0: yeah that's what I've I've heard a lot of that too but yeah no it looks (laughs) uh, I mean yeah the look of it is just incredible so uh, the enhanced 3D I imagine is, is probably that much better
1: there are a couple of parts I must say. If you're susceptible to motion sickness or get queasy um, when things start to get really crazy, yeah, I could see you maybe kind of wanting to shut your eyes. But <laughs> I was totally engrossed. Uh, I, I, yeah, I ate a lot of popcorn while watching this.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, what was like? Uh, what What did you think of the the end scene? Basically, and spoilers for anybody that had not seen it yet, uh, go ahead and skip ahead like a couple minutes, and maybe we'll, we'll be done talking about it. But uh, basically, when he has to go battle Dormammu, you know, in the the very much Marvel uh, formula of making movies, especially origin movies, there's supposed to be a giant battle scene at the end of the in the third act where you know uh, everything has to work out for the hero or at least you know he has to struggle at first and then works out for the hero. This one he beats Dormammu with his mind basically, like he outsmarts him.
1: Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh I like how it wasn't just like a a punch out, you know, with the bad guy. Um he realized, you know, that he had all the tools he needed to end it. Amicably, I guess, or mutually really? um it's the first time you ever see uh you know one of the heroes actually talk sense to the villain <laughs> to the point where the villain didn't like it, but he realized he had no choice, like well, damn, you know I don't, um I've been outsmarted basically <laughs> um, yeah, that was really awesome, and it also reminded me a lot of um uh, of <laughs> of playing a video game right before a hard part, you know, that's where you say your save point is. Exactly. You just, yeah, you just keep doing it over and over until uh you know, you get past it.
0: You know what's funny that you bring it up bring that up because I have a saved game of Resident Evil 0 on my GameCube that uh, will will stay in that loop forever because I saved it right before I went to fight the bad guy and I have almost no ammo. So I can never beat the guy, but then I can also never leave.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's how I play uh, Halo on Legendary. I was like, all right, I know at least that if I die, I'll come back to this point, and I'll just have to keep going either until I get lucky or I get better. <laughs>
0: uh, and then I think the only problems I really had, and it's not really a big problem because I love the movie too, but the Doctor Strange humor in the movie, like Benedict Cumberbatch, I don't know. If that's what they intended for him to be very cheesy and his jokes not to land or if it, like he just wasn't pulling off the jokes.
1: I think he was um I didn't have a problem with it to be honest, like the way he was delivering things, but I could kind of see what, I I see what you're saying. It's very uh like it's like his character from Sherlock trying to be funny. <laughs>
0: Like I felt like they, they really wanted to create or recreate uh like Robert Downey Jr.'s like Tony Stark where he can say things and they're just naturally funny. But then I felt like maybe they were doing that on purpose to make it so that he's kind of memory like mirroring Tony Stark but not quite pulling it off as well.
1: Yeah, he's a little more stiff yeah. overall. Yes, exactly.
0: Um. <laughs> And Benedict but, yeah, I like, kind of
1: see that. Whereas Tony, or uh, well, Robert Downey Jr. pretty much is Tony Stark. Yeah. Tony Stark is a, a lovable asshole. <laughs> yes, exactly. You can't, you can't help but find him charming. <laughs> whereas Doctor Strange is just kind of an asshole.
0: <laughs> yeah, you never really get that lovable part that uh, that needs to be there for it to work.
1: Yeah, but there's still something somewhat endearing about him.
0: Oh yeah, I think yeah, I don't it,
1: know if it's uh
0: I think it's it's, oh, it's yeah, a lot of it. it's a lot of his uh you know basically wanting to be the best so that he can save people. I mean, to him it's more of a a uh ego thing, but he is still saving people and I think that's where it comes from.
1: Yeah, he um he definitely was the kind of character that wants to have his ego stroked and all that. Yeah. Um <laughs> I also like how there was a cool little homage to Pink Floyd in there during some of the trippier stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I think you would—you kind of have to
0: throw that in there when it's the trippier parts, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty much. Um, it's either that or there was one part in particular where I'm like, like this is full on like black light poster territory right now. <laughs>
0: Yes, very much so. And I love the part when she when you hear uh Mordu just like uh I think his he, he might be uh what was it his his stress level might be getting too high or something like that and she pulls him back and's like, "Nope, sounds fine to me." And just puts him right back through the trip.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it almost seems like everyone else around them had to be funnier to kind of compensate. But, yes. um it paid off, I think, like especially with Wong at the end <laughs> when he's laughing at the "you have to read the whole book" joke. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like man, they really set that up. <laughs> they sure did. It took a while to pay off, but yeah,
0: uh, that's awesome, man. I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I know I enjoyed it, and it looks like uh, the movie-going audience enjoyed because it it's 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 getting a lot of movie out, uh, or it's making a lot of money out there. So. Uh, good to hear that oh, yeah. Marvel isn't isn't uh, resting on their laurels, I guess.
1: Now, the people that made the Green Lantern movie and Warcraft movie, y'all need to watch Doctor Strange <laughs> and um, take a few cues. This is how you do an origin story. This is how you introduce magic. This is how you perform magic in a realistic movie. And probably most importantly... This is how you demonstrate the progression of a good character that goes bad. You don't just have them during your mid-credit sequence decide, okay, now I'm going to be a bad guy. <laughs> you have to show the motivation, the reasoning behind it, and it has to make sense.
0: There you go. <laughs> well said, John. Uh, all right, let's 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 get into our episode of Westworld. This is... Uh... Episode 7, I want to say?
1: Do you know? <laughs> it... This is episode 7 called Trump Loyal. Okay, I'm glad you said is... it because I don't think
0: I was going to be able to.
1: Yeah, as, uh, I I, <laughs> I practiced. Okay. I, was like, I think my first attempts when I first saw it was like, what's Trump lol, lo, lo, Loyal <laughs> Wait, what? Tr- what is this? It's a, a trompe oil of a LA. lay. <laughs> there you go. That's what it is. All right. So, of course, I had to Google what that meant. And uh, its uh, I guess it's for a type of art that uh, sort of uh, creates the illusion of 3D. Oh. If you If you Google search for that, you'll see a bunch of, like, paintings of, like, people that do the sidewalk art where it looks like there's a big chasm or something like that right that's basically what it's what it means it's that kind of art where if you look at it from a certain angle it looks like it's defying the laws of space and time okay kind of yeah kind of like dr strange so and um, would you
0: say that that is literally referring to the host because I mean obviously uh, Ford pictures them as an art or at least a form of art, and they're obviously three d they're uh you know physical to touch and uh not on a wall kind of thing,
1: yeah, I wanna say the the title is most definitely um i mean the one of the references is to Dolores's art, I'm sure you know the the drawings or whatever she was doing that led her to wherever it is they're going now, right but also yeah, I think uh you know and we're just going to go right into the big spoiler of the episode definitely uh, Bernard being a host this whole time <laughs> um, I believe that the, the title is a reference to him um, essentially being an illusion you know a very realistic one but in the end it turns out that he was not at all what he he even thought he was Um which is interesting because the way the show starts is with the flashback, him having memories of his son. Right. And, you know, waking up from the a dream and then realizing later on, oh, that must have been implanted or whatever. Um, it was part of his narrative. I was like, Holy shit, so how long has he been a host? Um, is this gonna affect his um performance I guess you know like is he gonna be aware that he's a host after this incident I think he is but it's still very up in the air where they're going it's like the show's like floored it now and- yes
0: yeah I mean we obviously <laughs> only have what three episodes left in the season so uh, yeah it's gonna definitely put on the turbo turbo speed to the end of the season now I thought it was interesting that uh, they brought up things like uh, they only see they don't see things that could possibly hurt them or hurt their state of mind uh, so we, he didn't see the door that was talking about this is probably why he, we didn't see Ford last week when he was in that room uh, or in that house and uh, when they do the recall to the it doesn't look like anything to me when he's looking at the diag- the diagnostic for his own uh, host body I thought that was all very interesting
1: Yeah, like, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) What is happening? So I guess that brings me to the next question. Did you have any
0: inkling or idea before this episode that Bernard was going to be a host?
1: I didn't specifically, but I had been seeing speculation on Reddit quite a bit. I think we brought it up where... um, we kept wondering how exactly it was that Ford seemed to know everything that was going on with him and uh, Therese. And he would say little things here and there like, um, you know, he Ford would warn Therese about, you know, not hurting Bernard's feelings, saying he has a, a sensitive disposition. Right. Um, and then there was another scene in a different episode where Bernard is looking troubled uh, while studying something. And Ford just makes a real offhand remark of like, hey, I know how your mind works. Right. And I was like, huh. Like a lot of stuff is really, you know, like if, if you were, well, for sure, when the show's over, I'm going to go back and watch it again from the beginning. <laughs> see what you can catch. And, and see all the things I've missed. Yeah, because now I'm sure they've been telegraphing this all along. Right. And now we know for sure there's definitely at least something going on.
0: So now I think this what really bring brings us a question to me is like the parts the parts when Bernard is questioning Dolores. You know, was that in his programming? Did Ford make him do that, or are we seeing like a third timeline? Because I still think I still think that Bernard is is a not a copy so much as a. Uh, homage to uh arnold so i think that's arnold talking to dolores at the in those in those scenes and that's when you know the thing that ford is talking to dolores about like uh what uh what was the last thing that ford told or that arnold told you or asked you and stuff like that
1: oh interesting i hadn't even thought about that yeah
0: i think that you know that uh he he would be like uh he I mean obviously he doesn't have any memories of being Arnold and he he's not his name isn't Arnold it's Bernard but like I think he, Ford made him to be like that to be like Arnold.
1: Yeah, that's what I that's kind of what I figured as well. Like he's got the thought patterns of Arnold. So in a way his essence is in there even right. if it's not him specifically. Right. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of wondering too where they're gonna go with that, but it does seem like Bernard, or maybe we should just start calling him Bernard Arnold. <laughs> uh, I like that. All right, so Bernard Arnold, um, <laughs> sounds like he may have actually been trying to train Dolores this whole time. Um, uh-huh to grow out of her programming to look for the maze because he is the one that first tells her there's a maze or there's a game or something, right? Right. Yeah, and for whatever reason the man in black picks up on that during his time with Dolores, I guess? Well, If if, he is William.
0: Yeah, if if he's William then we have to assume that the storyline that's happening with Dolores and William at right now is that they're looking for that maze and then at some point William won't be able to accompany her accompany her, accompany her through the maze or to the maze or something like that and or maybe they even get stopped by the by the the park before they get to that point and from that point on Ed Harris's man in black is looking for it on his own
1: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking and now I'm just... I accidentally saw the, the uh, synopsis of episode 8. And I, I don't even want to talk about it till we get there. But wow. Wow, well, okay. going to be...
0: Yeah, I haven't read it yet. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> um, also in that scene when they reveal Bernard to be uh, a host, uh, we kill off Therese. I also thought that the fact that they're in that little room... And you see a body being built right there. Do you think that is that Ford's going to replace Therese with a uh, host body that he can control?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if that's what it is. I, because I mean, obviously, going back a little bit to the previous episode, uh, Elsie who was helping Bernard track down the mystery of you know whoever was spying. On the park, right? She, she disappeared, and in this episode, Bernard was trying to get a hold of her, and was coming up with nothing. Um, so that was telling us that. And somebody said, "Oh, you know, she's she's on vacation or she's on leave right now." Right. And he didn't right. he didn't really buy it, but he couldn't find her anywhere. Uh, so that's kind of making me wonder. Well, what if they you know snuffed her out? But then I thought, no, that'd be kind of high profile, even if she wasn't a huge, uh, you know, like staff member that's still going to get noticed. But then kind of, again, jumping back to the end of the episode, Ford had, what's her name, uh, Therese, killed, like, pretty boldly. Yeah. You know, while a, a representative from Delos was there. While a big high-profile firing had just happened. Right. He had her murdered by Bernard, no less. Bernard (laughs) Arnold. And um, that leads me to believe that Ford is officially insane. I mean, he always had a creepy vibe when he starts to get kind of, like, protective of his, you know, world or inventions or whatever. But now he went full-on straight murderer. And I think it's a very high possibility that he's creating replacements for some of these uh, co-workers or staff members.
0: Yeah, I I, I definitely think that that's exa- – because he, he even tells her that uh, I had Bernard lure you down here. So he knew that this was all going to happen, that, this, that they were going to be down there, but he was going to have Bernard kill her. So – why not start the the process on having the body be made? Because even Bernard says that this the the machine that's down there is not as as sophisticated as the ones that are upstairs, uh, or at least in the facility. Because it's going to take a little longer to create a whole body. So you know the Therese the new Therese host model is going to take a little while. It'd be good to get an early start on it.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. was like it would have been really ominous if like besides you know well obviously have it revealed step by step like you go down the basement like what is this place why is this here why is there a body being printed down here and then she starts seeing all the blueprints for the different you know hosts that like Bernard in this case. a Dolores one too. Anna Dolores yes. It would have been cool if there was one where it showed like uh the preliminary you know steps to making a Therese one yeah like maybe they had I um, i don't know if they had a uh, if they would have included a scene earlier in that episode or earlier in the show where bernard was trying to take her measurements or something <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that would uh that would have been good so speaking about earlier in the episode though uh we got we got to see the scene that you were referring to uh earlier in our past episodes of Clementine fighting somebody and in this scene this scenario that they create uh they have a host acting to, to be like a human do you think that that eventually that attacks clementine and clementine eventually attacks back at him uh do you think that was a foreshadow to the fact that they had uh that at least that bernard was a a host because it's a host that's acting that thinks it's a human
1: uh yeah to some degree cuz that was kind of shocking to me like i didn't think they would have hosts working alongside their normal staff i would have i i for some reason just assumed that you know the hosts were hosts and the humans were you know background staff members you know not you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I get what you're saying. And I think, I, to me, the way I interpreted what they said at that in that scene is that they literally just used the host for, they made the host up for this particular scenario because they knew that Clementine was going to attack him and more than likely kill him, so they didn't want to, you know, sacrifice a human. So they, uh, they, they created a host to act like a human. If that's true or not, I don't know. I mean, they, there could be other hosts out there that are acting like humans or are they programmed to act like humans.
1: Yeah. So I'm kind of curious who else is a host now at this point, you know. I kind of hope what's his name is a host uh Lee. Who's Lee? Lee the the British guy that's the oh. creator of the <laughs> stories.
0: I uh, I don't know. I I, I don't know if there is enough of if the I, I mean, I guess if his, uh, was it Perception Bulk or whatever it was?
1: Oh, could, Bulk at Perception?
0: Yeah, if if it's high enough, he could probably come up with stories. But then again, they're also complaining that his stories aren't very imaginative either. So, you know, that that could be a clue.
1: Yeah, I want to see a storyline where he realizes he's a host and then he actually kind of accepts it be like oh so that's why my stories suck because you wrote them for me yeah <laughs> and i think i'm coming up with them but it's actually your imagination that sucks not mine
0: what if uh what if Elise is a is also a host like that's why she was abducted in the two episodes ago
1: um no i think she was a human for sure but now if we do see her again it'll probably be a host replacement ah
0: okay fair enough
1: Kind of like we think Therese might be. Okay. Uh,
0: what did you think about the the way that uh, the Delos representative, like one, used uh, the the outlaw character for her own sexual benefit, and then you know didn't really care about covering up or letting Therese see her in her buff.
1: That was pretty ballsy. Do you think it's a power uh, move? Yeah. I
0: think it was a power move.
1: Oh absolutely I was like this is how much power I have Like you can come in See exactly what I'm doing Me I'm at my most Vulnerable and yet I still know that I'm like The top dog here.
0: <laughs> uh, I like the way That you put it But <laughs> but then that leads us into the scene that we were talking about Where Clementine uh, Is taken away from the bar And Maeve thinks it's going to be her And in her new like state, she doesn't get she doesn't shut down. Like she grabs the knife and just acts still in the the newest uh, mannequin challenge of the year, uh, <laughs> you know. Wait and waits for the the guys to come. They th- she thinks they're going to come grab her, but they obviously grab, grab Clementine.
1: Yeah, and it was a real tense scene because you know she's almost certain they're coming for her given the fact that, you know, why wouldn't they? You know, there's definitely some weird stuff going on with her. But no, you're right. They take Clementine, and Clementine had just finished basically giving her backstory that they written for her. Right,
0: about how she wasn't going to do it for very much longer, and she was going to bring her family over, and they were going to get a nice house, and she was going to be a a good lady instead of a prostitute.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's the hooker with the heart of gold.
0: However, uh, obviously Maeve is like, oh, you've probably been doing this for so many years and you're going to be doing it forever cuz you have no actual family anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from from the look of it it seems like Clementine has been doing it for a very long time uh the hooker role. And uh yeah, so <laughs> they take her down, they they use her basically to to prove to the the board that Ford is out of control and the changes that he's making are making the host potentially dangerous, which was all staged. Right. And everybody knew it. Right. But the demonstration, you know, the the damage was done and it called into question uh, Ford's power and all that. And what's interesting is the reason why they're even doing this, uh, they're also setting up more of the mystery of what exactly Delos's interest is with Westworld. And uh, similar to something we talked about earlier, they're saying, um, you know, there's code here. There's information that is valuable to us. But if Ford is uh, told to resign, he could destroy it all. And mm-hmm. everything that Delos has invested in the company would, you know, would basically just go up in smoke. Right. So, and and they
0: even say to the point that all the all the important code is still in his head. It's not written down anywhere or copied anywhere in which I already think is seems kind of ridiculous like how is Delos not have copies of all this stuff for one uh I guess that's probably what the radio frequencies from the park were kind of trying to do or whatever or the satellite uplinks I should say but uh um yeah the whole thing was supposed to try and get Ford to retire and still be on good terms but I think they were planning on Bernard kind of selling him out, but then he doesn't sell him out. But that could probably, is probably because of his programming not to sell out Ford.
1: Well, I thought that too for a minute, but then there was the scene where he was going to tell Therese what he had seen. But that's all Um, set up to get Therese to come down there. Well, that's what it eventually turns into. Yes. But before that, uh, then again, it seems like um, Ford also knew about the secret meeting that Therese had with the in-the-buff in, in lady. What was her name? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> she uh, will call her the... Um, the uh, liaison. The liaison? <laughs> the...
0: I, I just know her as Tessa Thompson. She, that's her real name.
1: Tessa Thompson. Yeah, the, the one that likes to to bone the outlaw. Yeah. <laughs> um Oh, Charlotte, that was her name. Okay. Okay, so yeah, he he knew about the conversation that Therese had with Charlotte where they even say the specific phrase, you know, there has to be a blood sacrifice.
0: That's true. And but that could be because the outlaw was still in the room. Like you got to imagine that he probably has some way of, of re- talking to all these different hosts one way or another or or, or uh, capturing their
1: uh, what, whatever they record. Actually, at this point, I think he just has the whole place rigged. <laughs> Look, it's all,
0: all of them. They're all hosts. Everybody's hosts except for Ford, and it's all his dolls, and he's just playing. He's playing in
1: his dollhouse. <laughs> That makes sense. <laughs> he's, he's the last human alive, and the world is just populated with artificial beings.
0: There you go. Uh, I also wanted to bring up, the it, once again, in the, the fight scene with Clementine and this uh, other host that was supposed to be a human, after she kills him, she does the thing with her lip, the finger-to-her-lip thing, and in this instance, it's she's kind of more tasting the blood that's on her face, whereas when we saw it before, it we were told that it's she's probably having a memory of a, a kiss that she had that she really enjoyed.
1: Yeah. And in this case, I guess the combination is that she enjoyed the getting punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. It was her own blood, right? No, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah. You got punched right in the face,
0: like right on the nose. <laughs> so I know that... Th- technically this scene should be after that scene in the timeline, but if we mess, if this show messes around with timelines, is there any possibility that this scene happens before that scene and the memory that she's having is the blood, her own blood running into her mouth?
1: I don't think so. And the only reason for that, because I thought something like that too, is like, oh, what if they were doing this out of order? Um, Because they're first talking about the reveries that first time in that episode, the, in the first episode when right. she's first doing it, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that's part of the new program that's in there and um, she she's remembering something. Um, and, and they're like, oh, that's kind of curious. And then in this episode, they're like, you see those reveries that were originally programmed into them are allowing them to remember and hold grudges and look at how dangerous they can be. And then she does it again. So it's definitely a callback to the first episode. But I think we were watching it in chronological order.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Because, uh, yeah, if, if, if it wasn't in chronological order, that scene in the first episode when, when she's doing that is a lot darker now. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: She's <laughs> uh, like, that was a good punch. Do you, th- good.
0: do you think if he actually does replace Therese with a, with a host... That they'll he'll use that in some way to get Bernard his job back,
1: yeah, I was kinda of wondering about that, and I was like, what's gonna happen now that he's technically fired? I mean he's not gonna leave the place, so Bernard's definitely or uh, art Ford's gonna have to do something um to make sure that Bernard doesn't go anywhere, yeah, and that could be it, yeah, maybe. It works to his advantage to have a copy of Therese that is in his, you know, pocket as well. Right. And, you know, keep, uh, basically pardon him, pardon, uh, Bernard (laughs) Arnold. It's hard to say if you really have to like, think about it. That's why I haven't stopped. I haven't started saying it (laughs) (laughs) yet. All right. Um... Oh, something else I was going to bring up about this too. Uh, what was it? Uh, something about they don't recognize things that they can't see.
0: They don't recognize things that could possibly hurt them or their state of mind.
1: Yeah, there was something more to go along with that, but I'm drawing a blank now because Bernard Arnold just takes too much processing power to say right.
0: <laughs> I mean, we. I mean, we had seen that. Earlier with uh, Dolores when she looks at that picture that was found that eventually kind of drove her father mad or the host playing her father mad but her father, the, that host was able to see it for something that was not like, it wasn't just a blank spot like, I, that's how I assume what happens, like when, when Bernard or Bernard looks at the, the diagnostic for a Bernard uh, host spot he says, you know, it doesn't look like anything to me. I just assume that
1: means it's like a blank spot. You think maybe um, <laughs> so they look at something and it's just like, uh, like a hole or it's just like censored?
0: Yeah, I mean, no, I mean not like a black bar or anything, but like uh, <laughs> if it was a piece of paper, the paper would be blank. If it was a picture on the wall, the, the picture would be gone. It would just be the wall like the door if if it, when he he doesn't see the door because it's just uh it's just more of the wall that's how I would see it as it basically your 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 uh your the chameleon coil on the TARDIS. <laughs> you can't look- he can't look directly at it
1: gotcha <laughs> that definitely' is, uh. We still have a lot to learn about what exactly it is they experience do you, is oh.
0: there is there any is there any other point in the show so far that you can remember where someone has says something similar of uh i it doesn't look anything like it doesn't look like anything to me or maybe it's more of a you know it uh they didn't see something that was obviously right in front of them
1: um Sort of. I I definitely want to say that when Dolores is having her visions, even though nobody's saying, you know, or she's not saying it doesn't look like anything to me, because she's going through her awakening, you know, she is kind of, what's his name, um, William sets, or, uh, Dolores asks him, like, what are you guys talking about when you're saying the real world? And William's all like, I thought you guys weren't supposed to notice that kind of thing. Right. So like that. That's where I'm noticing she's breaking away from that uh, that programming and that whatever time frame that is taking place in. Right. So there's. I don't know what it. See, I guess that's what I'm confused on is what is giving her the the ability to grow from her programming or you know break from it.
0: Well, I would assume. That if we take into account from last episode when Elise was trying to tell Bernard that uh, Arnold was still making changes to host, even though he had been dead for 30 years, that maybe Arnold was able to boost her uh, bulk perception again uh, to the higher levels so that she can start to realize things are not working out the way that they're supposed to or not, uh,
1: not... right i guess so maybe that was the way that he was he was raising her bulk perception the old-fashioned way by grinding it out reading books as opposed to (laughs) cheating and having your stats artificially raised by the text
0: (laughs) damn it when damn it when the mods go and affect the game
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like that's why it's all broken man like the not making the patches right exactly (laughs)
0: Uh, oh and we also finally saw you know William
1: and Dolores they uh, consummated I guess yeah they made sweet tender love in the back of a moving train which (laughs) I mean haven't we all been there before
0: Uh, hasn't this train been like traveling for a very long time now (laughs)
1: Yes, actually. It's been on the road at least a couple of days straight now.
0: Without a stop. Um,
1: yeah, and um, it's kind of a cool train, too, because it looks like it had armor paneling. And I was like, oh, that's cool. It's like the the train from Wild Wild West, kind of. <laughs>
0: yeah, it threw down the, the armored paneling in the windows when they were going through, uh, what was it called, Ghost Nation? So,
1: Coast, Ghost Territory, something like that, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, but then they came to a stop because there were boulders in the tra- in the tracks, which were put there by the Confederados, and uh, they they end up sacrificing uh, the one body that's filled with nitroglycerin uh, to to blow up the the Confederados. Which I I felt like it didn't do as much damage as they thought it was going to do.
1: But no, yeah, it was. I mean, it blew up the horse pretty well, but yeah, yeah. it was. Uh... It just kind of, like, spooked everybody. Like, whoa, that was unexpected. Yeah. Um, let's go after them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I don't think it really worked. Now, are there supposed to be other bodies in the train that are filled with nitroglycerin? Or was there it just a one? There was a the couple one? of coffins, yeah. Um, it wasn't just the one guy, slim. Right. Um, I think there was at least one other body. But, yeah, like, I, I don't understand what the logic was of transporting the the bodies full of nitro as if that was some kind of better or more stable I don't method? Th- I don't think
0: it was supposed to be state- more stable. I think it was just supposed to be a way of sneaking in it because if they were to be boarded by Confederados, they would it would just look like dead bodies in there instead of the, the bottles of nitroglycerin. But now they've... Like, the whole point was supposed to be that they were going to get it to the border for their... Uh, compadres to use against the Confederados, but now that's all done because they abandoned the train and uh they blew up one of the bodies already, so I don't I don't know. It seemed weird. Like it seemed like the beginning of that storyline just kind of failed.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know where it's going on. They the then the ghost nation attacks <laughs> and um kind of saves the the trio of William Dolores and Lawrence right uh, but then they split ways because earlier in the episode, Dolores is painting just like something from her imagination um, she says that you know normally she just looks at landscapes and she paints what she sees but um and this time she wanted to make something something of her own you know whatever from her from herself right which. Turns out it's a real place because right. that's exactly where they ended up. Where the mountains meet the sea. Which didn't really look like the sea. It just looked like a river bank. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> now, I did want to bring up something on this, this uh, particular note. is um, So in the Westworld uh, subreddit, uh, somebody asked the question. So what exactly happens to all the paintings that Dolores does? Because, you know, like, part of her routine is every day she'll go to this one place, she'll paint the landscape, and then she'll go back home. Right. Unless there's an interruption to the loop, like, you know, the teddy comes over or whatever else happens. Right. And um, somebody said in the subreddit, like, shouldn't she have, like, hundreds of these paintings by now? And who else but Jonathan Nolan shows up in the subreddit? And puts a link says this doesn't look like anything to me and if you click on the link it's a sequence from the show i don't know if it's already played or if it's from somewhere else but it's one of the tech dudes wearing the hazmat suits you know going through the dolores's house and going to where she stores her paintings pulling them out and then taking them with them oh wow but first he looks through them and they're all exactly the same painting it's that same one where she goes to in um the that, first or second episode
0: right when that boy walks up to her and says are you, are you are you real or not or something like that
1: yeah and um so i'm like where the hell was that scene from cuz i don't remember it you it, know like it, so, <laughs> so yeah here you have one of the creators of the show basically trolling the subreddit <laughs> With this really awesome little image that perfectly answers exactly what the guy was referring to, which was probably just meant as a joke. Right. But holy shit, was that crazy. I I assume
0: that it was probably like a deleted scene from that episode that would probably be included in the DVD or the Blu-ray. But it was nice of him to throw it in there. Uh, Or it was something that they created just because, you know, they wanted to. Or it's something that we haven't seen yet. My joke answer was going to be that hotel rooms need art, so it would be the perfect <laughs> thing for those. But uh, now you know. Someone comes in and picks them up.
1: So That's part of the Delos business plan is have Dolores make their Motel 6 background art. <laughs> yeah, <or something>. exactly. <laughs> that makes so much sense. It's basically slave labor. <laughs>
0: I mean, she, I mean, I guess you could just throw them into the incinerator every day, but why not make some money off of it? It's good hotel art.
1: You just blew my mind, bitch. <laughs> I'm thinking of the world of possibilities here. <laughs> uh, all right, is there anything else in particular that you uh, want to talk about this episode? No, I mean, for the most part, it was a well-acted, well-written uh, episode. The The big spoiler that we talked about at the beginning, I mean, that came at the end, obviously. But damn, if uh, it wasn't compelling and interesting to what the rest of the story is going to be from this point on. Yes, exactly. And like I said, don't spoil yourself and read the synopsis <laughs> like I just did. Wait till you watch it to, uh, You know, later this evening and uh and why don't yeah, you go
0: why don't you go ahead and send me the the link to that reddit uh thread so uh, that we can put it up on the show notes
1: oh, yeah, yeah, I'll link it to you right now. it's uh, pretty cool and um so yeah well i I'm definitely looking forward to next uh next week's episode 'cause I think it's gonna be pretty good, <laughs> oh yeah, there was one more thing, kind of just a tangential thing um. Apparently there was a reference to Westworld in Saturday Night Live, the most recent one here. Okay. Where uh you have Anderson Cooper doing uh, you know, his talk show and his four guests keep saying the same answer no matter what the question he gives is. And it happens like four or five times where they just keep repeating the answer, the same exact answer for no matter the question. And then he starts to notice, "Wait, you guys are all saying the same thing over and over again." And then everybody just kind of freezes. And um, you see two guys wearing the hazmat suits come in. Says, <laughs> Yep, this is the one. He's starting to remember. <laughs> Let's replace him. So they, they take him away and they bring in a different host. And then it, it starts over again. Oh, okay. The, <laughs> I was like, wow. And then it ends with a, an actual plug for Westworld. It says, watch Westworld Sunday nights on HBO. I was like... That was kind of weird.
0: That's awesome. I I have uh, the latest episode of SNL recorded, so I'll have to uh, check that out.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, then that just kind of ruined the joke, but it was pretty good. (laughs) that's okay.
0: All right, John. uh, I think that's all we're going to say about this week's episode. Um, If anybody has anything they'd like to throw in there about this week's episode or Westworld in general, go ahead and contact us on uh, Twitter at at agent of the bat or at agent underscore of the underscore bat for me. John is also on Twitter as I'm at magic bollocks. And then we're also at geek elite radio on Twitter. Then go over to Facebook where we do most of our conversation and uh, be a part of our community. It's a uh, facebook.com backslash geek elite radio. Then go to our website, GeekEliteRadio.com, radio.com. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the geek elite radio network. And then, Make sure to come back next week because that's where we're we're gonna be here. John and I we're gonna be here talking about Westworld and everything else geeky. So uh, until next week, it's this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Saying always remember to geek out.
1: Geek out. We now return you to a regularly scheduled program.